the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Kicking off the 4 o'clock hour on this Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. In about an hour, Eric Gorham is going to check in from the Slow County Republican Party. We heard from the Democrats on Tuesday. Let's get the Republican perspective on the upcoming primary. Gary J. Freiberg at 6.05. We'll play the name game. Why do you have the name that you have? Uh, we'll hear from Gary, and we'll have heard from some of you. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. This hour, it turns out that there was a meeting uh, today and yesterday of the California Sheriff's Association, and we had uh, many of our county sheriffs from around the state right here on the Central Coast. Uh, we hope that they behave themselves. We hope that they spend a lot of money and that they say good things about us when they go back. Uh, meanwhile, the sheriff of Riverside County is nice enough to join us in studio just to talk about uh, a variety of law enforcement-related issues. We're pleased to offer a conversation with Sheriff Chad Bianco. Sheriff, nice to meet you. Well, thank you. Very nice to meet you. I'm glad uh, glad I happened to be here, and I'm glad yeah. you're having me on. Uh, what was the purpose of this meeting, uh, Sheriff's Association? We routinely have these meetings, so it's uh, every bi-monthly. The sheriffs in the state all come together, and we basically talk about uh, legislation, issues that we may be having with uh, within our jails, within our own jurisdic- jurisdictions that may influence or may be able to help other sheriffs throughout the state with their issues. It's just so we basically network and stay together and stay common. You see, but there's a lot of commonality. There's very of the concerns. Very much. I, regardless of whether, like, in, for for me, I'm two and a half million residents in our county and a four thousand member department. So we're one of the largest in the state. LA is bigger than us, but that's it. Hmm. And uh, whether it's us or whether it's one of the northern sheriffs with only fifty deputies in their entire department. We all have the same issues. It's just on different scale. See, 30-year veteran of the sheriff's office, first elected in 2018, re-elected in 2022. Is this a good gig? I mean, you probably wanted the job for a while, and then you took it over. Was it what you expected it to be? That's a good question. I don't know if it's what I expected it to be. I think it's more. Uh, I was certainly glad that uh, I was able to take over and make a lot of the changes that we made in my first couple of years just to provide a better service to our county. And then on the outside that I didn't expect was the the political aspect, the uh, the public uh, it, being in the public eye aspect. I knew yeah. that was going to happen, but I didn't know it was a 24-7 thing. Oh, wait a minute, Sheriff. You called me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You it, called me. So so this right now, this is where we are uh, as, a, as an association of sheriffs is trying to uh, overcome years and years of us being too nice uh, with the people in Sacramento yeah. and believing that they were... Uh, working for the best interests of public safety and in the best interests of our California residents. And w- really, we were taken advantage of and we were played. And now we're now we're having to stick up uh, for our residents, for California in general. 
and uh, fight back against this crazy uh, agenda that they have and their version of, of public safety and criminal justice. Before we talk about Sacramento, I'm just curious, how is our sheriff, Ian Parkinson, who's been the sheriff since 2010, how is he regarded outside the county by his colleagues? Uh, he's, he's very well respected, uh, held in high regard. He is one of the uh, most tenured sheriffs in the state. Uh, there's a couple. There's a couple others that have more tenure than than he does. But uh, the experience that he has, the experiences he's had as the sheriff, uh, certainly uh, mentors the rest of us. He uh, he's he's easy to get along with. I'm sure you already know that. Yeah. Uh, extremely likable guy, intelligent guy, and uh, really he's 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 here to help everybody that he can. Uh, he hosts this conference that we have every year at this time. Uh, is always held here. And uh, he's just, we would be less of an organization without him. All right, fair enough. You obviously have some thoughts on your mind about Sacramento, so let's start at the top. (laughs) What's the relationship like between Governor Newsom and the state sheriffs? Well, there is no relationship between Governor Newsom and the state sheriffs, and that uh, that defies uh, what we have had uh, historically in the past with all of our sheriffs before. You know, talking about with with all of our past sheriffs and and the the governors that they have had over the last twenty thirty years, uh, there has always been that working relationship with the governor's office and with the governor personally. Uh, as it pertains to public safety. And since Newsom has been the governor, that has that relationship has gone to zero. What changed? The person. He he doesn't care. He doesn't care what the sheriffs say, even though we're the experts in public safety, whether it comes to patrol the, the millions of residents that, that we patrol for, or we run all of the state's jail system. He doesn't care what our opinions are what our uh, what our solutions are to make things better. It, there's there's just no desire. He has an agenda that is anti-public safety. We all believe, and we all feel, particularly myself, feel that if he met with us and we told him this completely different perspective than what he has in his brain. He'd have no, there would be no other thing that he could do but listen to us, and he doesn't want to. So uh, give us an example of the disparity between sheriffs and governor. Give us an issue. Where do you guys disagree? Uh, Pretty much on everything. The uh, public safety in general, the AB 109 is one of the biggest things where the the state prison system has an overcrowding issue, Mm -hmm. and they passed their... They passed their overcrowding problem onto county jails. They didn't fix their problem, which common sense would tell you if there are more people in California committing crimes and you don't have room for them, then you should build more prisons. But instead, they forced county jails to keep all of those prisoners that should be in state prison. So now we're all overcrowded. We have to release people from jail early. And then when he lowers his population, then he closes prisons. He doesn't believe that in the criminal justice arena, he does not believe in incarceration. Incarceration is not in his uh, realm of, of possibilities for criminals. Follow up on that, please, because I've read he wants to close prisons. He wants he to d- reduce the amount of prisons we have in this state. That's 100%. So uh, during COVID, for example, he used the COVID pandemic to say that he was going to release thousands of inmates early, and he did. Then when he released all of those, those thousands and thousands of inmates, he realigned the population so he consolidates them into prison, empties out another prison, and then closes it. I believe he's closed five so far since he's been 
the governor, and he has vowed that that is his that is his agenda to close as many prisons as, popul- as it, it, but why, possible. But why, why, sheriff? What's he trying to accomplish? I really, I'm not the person to answer that because it defies logic. It defies common sense. You would, it would have to be him telling you that because it. For me to answer, it almost goes into I have to come up with with conspiracy theories yeah. because it there's there's nothing that would be real that you could say oh that makes a lot of sense we have you look at what we have right now with the amount of crime we have the increase of crime increase in violent crime property crime all of these uh, these things that are going on and there's no chance that these people are going to prison and it it they've just taken away the consequence and so we see that rise in crime so 30-year veteran it's your opinion that governor newsom's the least public safety friendly governor by in, by in your far. career hands down all right we have a lot to discuss uh we've got sheriff chad bianco visiting us from riverside county in town for a conference nice enough to include us in his visit a lot more to cover straight ahead on hometown radio This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. We will welcome your phone calls for Sheriff Chad Bianco from Riverside County. After news at the bottom of the hour, sheriff's in town for a sheriff's conference. We're just getting his take on the issues. So, uh, Sheriff, as we're back with you, let's talk about Proposition 47. What was that proposition intending to do and what has been the consequences? Well, I think the the original intent, like I, I will give the legislature the benefit of the doubt and say that I think uh, everything starts out with a with a good intention, but the final result and the unintended consequences are disastrous. And if you have a legislative body that may be so egotistical that they can't admit that they may have made a mistake and just simply go back and fix those mistakes, uh, then you have the disaster that we have right now. And Prop, Prop 47 surely was one. And it almost, though, is a little bit more sinister because it uh, they had to sell it to the general public because the public voted on it yeah. and they it was a we were seriously misled uh, it was it was almost I call it a complete fraud that was perpetrated on the general public they called it the safe streets and the safe schools initiative it had absolutely nothing to do with safe streets it had absolutely nothing to do with safe schools what it did was it was a uh, a public safety, the continuation of public safety realignment and criminal justice reform, where it pretty much made a whole bunch of felonies, misdemeanors. It basically, in the state of California, legalized drug use because it made possession of every single one of the drugs that we have misdemeanors. And for all intents and purposes, especially after AB 109, there's there's almost zero consequence for a misdemeanor in the state of California. So uh, if you... And then one of the other bigger things was it raised the threshold for felony theft to a thousand dollars, and that's what we're seeing now with our in, in just this rampant theft going on. Uh, the drug use you can really relate this back to the homeless population, back to the pop the, the passage of Prop two of Prop forty seven, and see the direct increase with homeless after that happened and that's that has a lot to do with drug use drug use possession under the influence and where there used to be a punish for that punishment for that in the law enforcement world 
they chose their punishment. Do you want to go to rehab or do you want to go to jail? And the the majority of people took rehab, obviously. Yeah. And so we would we had we could save them for maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month. Maybe that was the one time that they they hit rock bottom and they changed their life around and they never went back to drugs. But all of that was taken away with Prop 47. So now there's no teeth. So there's no consequence for drug use, possession of drugs, and then you can't deny that it's. You're putting chemicals in your body, and mental illness is a chemical imbalance. So if you're going to mess up the chemicals in your brain, you're going to have mental health issues. So what's happening in Riverside County as a result of all this? How has your job changed? Uh, it's substantially changed. Uh, it directly has, has led to a, a, a much more robust and increased homeless population and with a mental health issue that we can debate all day long whether the mental health comes before the drug use or the drug use causes the mental health. And then that just perpetuates into everything else. The problems with businesses, with break-ins. When you have people, so many people addicted to drugs, the only way to fuel that is by theft. When you have a theft issue that the threshold of whether or not you're going to be arrested is raised to $1,000, that just increases the amount of, of, of people that are committing theft in our grocery stores, in our, in our box stores, in our mom and pop stores, whatever the case may be, and in residence. It's people breaking into houses, stealing properties, cars, whatever the case may be. So, and now security is told not to interfere absolutely. in stores. And, and Just one, let them go. Absolutely. And one of the things about this is is what Prop 47 really did is it created a great way for the, the far left, this, and I don't want to say Democrat, I want to say uh, progressive, because yeah. I don't believe Democrats and progressives are the same thing. Yeah. Progressive, I think, is bad. Uh, Democrat is okay. We all we we have to have that yeah. in, in our political system. But when you when you when we have gone this far and we have made all of these crimes that we have to deal with, that there's no consequence. There's uh, the the deputies we can arrest them all day long and they just get let back out with a citation we have people that we arrest that have 20 25 30 misdemeanor warrants for failure to appear on the same misdemeanor crime over and over and over again there's just what's the incentive for them to appear exactly there is not an incentive there's no consequence for them to not appear in court so then sheriff what exactly has been happening in oakland and how has that spiraled out of control? Because all I know is what we see in the media, but it seems to be a real mess up there. Yeah, it is a real mess. And I we have to go back to what I just mentioned about that, you know, this isn't a Democrat problem. This is a progressive problem. This is this is decades in the making of progressive policies that have taken away the consequence of bad behavior. And when they limit the police's ability, the whether it's a police department or the sheriff's department, when when they are limited in their response and what they can do to fight those crimes, to fight those people that are doing those crimes, then it's, it's everything just spirals out of control. It's like your, your kids, if you're a parent, if you don't hold your kids accountable, they're going to push you for as much as they possibly can. It's probably human nature. You, right. you try and get as much as you possibly can before there's a consequence. What is it? Uh, in and out closed, another big chain closed. There's another big corporation, Oakland, that told their employees not to go out to lunch because they couldn't guarantee their safety. Yeah, and see, and and we've just moved on to Oakland. San Francisco, nobody's talking about San Francisco anymore, but San Francisco has been abandoned. 
There is there is there is nothing but a homeless drug infused induced population in San Francisco. The businesses have left. The residents are afraid to live there. They're leaving if they can. And now we've stopped talking about that because it's 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 gone. San Francisco's over. And now we're moving on to Oakland because that's where we're seeing it. Uh, the it's it's highlighted in cities that have a very progressive approach to what I would consider anti-law enforcement pro-criminal. Explain the progressive approach to law enforcement. Well, basically the the progressive idea the ideal of the and it's in Sacramento right now, it is uh, the idea that we need criminal justice reform and that sounds great on the surface, but their idea of criminal justice reform means that the police are the bad guys. Society is the bad guys, and the criminals are a victim of those police and of that society. They're only committing crimes because they were abused as a child. They're only committing crimes because they're poor. They're only committing crimes because they, of they're they're in a uh, their their race is considered a minority, and so they're underprivileged. And the systemic racism this is all this has all been made up to fuel and fueled by emotions to go along with this agenda of just no one held accountable for anything. And if you, the conspiracy theory, which I don't want to be, but the conspiracy theory is they're doing it on purpose to create this complete disaster, which leads to anarchy or the government being able to come in and say, local law enforcement can no longer protect you. We, the government, are now going to come in and protect you. And it's going to be the state police, the state militia. You'll no longer have sheriff's departments. You'll no longer have police departments. Really? You think that's uh, what's going on? That is more plausible than any other definition if you're trying to apply common sense. Because the common sense answers, they've they've been thrown out the window. What about the district attorney in uh, Los Angeles? He's come under fire. He he epitomizes this. He epitomizes this, doesn't he? He does, 100%. He is that far-left progressive person that does not believe in holding people accountable for committing crimes. He believes that it's someone else's fault that caused them to commit crimes, and they shouldn't be held accountable. So what's happening in L.A. as a result, in your opinion? Same thing that's happening in Oakland and San Francisco. When does it come to Riverside? Uh, It's not, as long as I'm there. So what are you doing differently? We we have made we have a very good DA that still prosecutes. We still hold people. We do everything we can to hold them accountable. Uh, the jail time, the amount of jail time, is is sometimes a little bit uh, on the sketchy side. But we are extremely proactive. We do everything in our power to make sure our uh, our deputies are patrolling the streets, keeping our our residents safe, our schools safe, our businesses safe and open. Uh, we do everything within the confines of the current laws to make sure that criminals are held accountable. All right. We are going to take this break. Otherwise, we will be held accountable. We're off to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with time saver traffic and weather together. Now, what do you think? We've got the sheriff of Riverside County in studio with us, Sheriff Chad Bianco, in town for a Sheriff's Association conference. But as you can tell, he's never at a loss in opinion. Let's uh, talk. We'll do that as we continue right here on Hometown Radio.
This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Eric Gorham from the uh, local Republican Party joins us. We heard from the Democrats on Tuesday. We'll hear from the Republicans today. Meanwhile, we're continuing our conversation with the Sheriff Chad Bianco, uh, Sheriff of Riverside County. Uh, since 2018, 30-year veteran of uh, the sheriff's office, in town for a conference, nice enough to include us in the conversation. Uh, sure, we'll take phone calls. 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Although, Sheriff, before I take the first call, I can't re- re- resist this text on the Stolberg line. Someone wants to know if you're running for governor. <laughs> that's a good question. Unfortunately for me, that's coming up quite often lately. If you would have asked me that six months ago, I would have I would have laughed, said absolutely not, and I would have never talked to you again. But uh, this has come up so often, and it, it's certainly something I have to think about. All right, so you're not saying no. I'm not saying no. So you're going to be back here at some point, it sounds like to me. We got Mark in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, great show. Uh, you know, Sheriff, the uh, electors, they keep voting these people in. So they must not have had enough. I mean, when you look at San Francisco, so badly damaged, BART because of crime and filth. And, um, uh, you know, yet they keep, um, they're not writing BART anymore, far less. And it wasn't because of COVID um, that they quit writing it. It was crime and filth. But the voters keep putting, uh, you know, they keep putting these people back in. So I don't know what it's going to take other than really quickly. I heard today on the news there was a black lady in Chicago um, and there's a group there who are going to vote for Trump. And they said they've had their schools taken away, their health centers taken away, their housing taken away. And the, the mayor of Chicago and, and the district attorney keeps lecturing them. They're not being understanding enough. Now, th- that would, that's pretty radical. Um, and Trump and, and the, the, the progressives are losing the black vote very quickly. Now they've been they've been punched enough. So who knows? I don't know what it's going to take to change the state around. Let's talk about that. Thank you very much. Pinky back on that, Sheriff, as your comment, please. What is it going to take in your mind to turn things around? Yeah, I think things are being turned around uh, as as we as we speak. And I think it's uh, this was years in the making of really apathetic voters where we were more concerned about our daily lives. We didn't think that politics affected us. We, We cared about our family, our kids, our jobs. And that's all we cared about. And now, unfortunately, that politic part that we didn't care about is now affecting all of our lives. And so we're having to pay attention. So unfortunately, we paid attention to that last mailer that we got, and that's who we voted for. And we had no idea about the character of the person we were voting for or about the leadership ability. And so we elected a lot of the wrong people because they had a great one-line message that attracted us in in a mailer that we got in email or in the mail. So I think that what we're seeing now is this this complete outrage of where we are, and I think people are realizing that this was years in the making, and I think that the beauty of our of our country, the beauty of our system is that elections have consequences and there's a I, th- I think it was thomas jefferson said that the the government that you uh that you elect is the government that you deserve yeah All and right. so we need to we need to pay more attention to who we're electing mark thanks for the call 805-543-8830 here's karen on kvec hi karen yes i think that the sheriff has a lot of great ideas but unfortunately each of these inmates cost a hundred and twenty thousand dollars to house a year, the lawyers have made incarcerating people so expensive that California could no longer afford it. And 
and we're already $60 billion in debt, and we're not even in a recession. Where's the money going to come from? And, and another thing, too, they're giving these inmates conjugal visits. And they're per- okay, all right. Um, actually, it's $75 billion. I think we're in, in debt now. Yes. It's come out. All right. I don't want to, I don't care about conjugal visits, but what about the larger issue that the caller raises? Yeah. So the, the one of the the problems with the state of California is attorneys and and the the thing with with laws and and with attorneys is you can fix those with laws if you wanted to. And we have allowed a lot into prisons, a lot of rights for prisoners, prisoners rights that aren't necessarily something that a constitutional right that they really deserve or something but it's something that we just give them in general so the cost is it it really is astronomical all right karen thank you 805-543-8830-800-549-5832 if you want to uh, join in this conversation with riverside county sheriff chad bianco we go to kurt in san luis hi kurt Hi, gentlemen. Hi, Kurt. Uh, Sheriff Bianco, thank you for uh, for being here. I, in I guess the past few years, I've heard a few sheriffs comment in different uh, sources that I found, and most of them seem to express very similar concerns uh, that you've expressed. Um, question for you: What percent would you say of let's say deputies and sheriffs do hold similar uh, viewpoints that you have? This is one of those things where you can you can't ever say all, but I'll say the vast majority, ninety nine percent. Let me broaden the question. Stay with, with with me, Kurt. How many of your officers yeah. are thinking of resigning or retiring because of the situation? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that I don't know. A third. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I was just yeah. asking the sheriff, Kurt, about oh, a third okay. of your officers. About a third, probably. Right. Kurt, what else from you, please? So okay, and then my next question is: Is it fair to ask? Of the sheriffs, and, and it sounds like a vast majority, and that, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and would that hold true to different, you know, sheriffs from different ethnic backgrounds? It's not necessary. I, you know, I hate to say it or ask it a white sheriff's issue, or is it, does it hold true to all sheriffs, no matter what their background? Is race an issue in any of this conversation, sheriff? Uh, absolutely not. And I love that question because in the the lie that has been perpetrated to all of us is that law enforcement is racist. And I can tell you that uh, within the law enforcement community, we I, I can guarantee you we are the absolute least racist group of, or employed uh, organization that there possibly is. Uh, we have there's there isn't anyone that is not represented. And the bottom line is. None of us care about each other's color. We don't care about who you love, who you, uh, what, what gender you think you are. We want to know if you're a good person. Do you abide by the law? Do you tell the truth? And do you have good character? That's it. Uh, we have the same standards here at the radio station. Perfect. That's why, that's why you're successful. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, thank you. We go to Lance in San Luis. Hey, Lance. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Good, buddy. Good, good. Hey, uh, kind of a, a changing subject a little bit. Sheriff, what's your, in Riverside County, what's your approach to uh, concealed carry uh, permits? Are you, uh, will you give someone who does not have a need for it but will pass a background check and pass all the requirements, will you issue a concealed carry? 
Yeah, that, that's a good question, and that's very common throughout the state. And the answer for Riverside County is yes. Uh, since 2019, I've issued over 40,000. I think we're about 43,000 right now. Uh, so as long as, as we have a very robust program. Is that an increase? Well, when I started, there was 3,000. Okay. And so I've issued 43,000. Uh, so yes, it's a substantial increase. And we've done everything we can to accommodate uh, our law-abiding residents in Riverside County who wish to have one. Lance? And, and of those that you have issued, can you, do you have any idea of how many of those have actually committed gun crimes? Zero. That, that's a that's a great question because we were talking with that today with our attorney general who who cites uh, completely flawed statistics and and tries to mislead with emotion rather than real facts and throughout the state all of the sheriffs who are all in a room today saying none of us have ever heard of it there's there's none of our CCW holders commit crimes with their guns now as a caveat I have to say that we have all of us have had uh, people that have been arrested for domestic violence or they've been arrested for a DUI or arguing with their neighbor, but it had absolutely nothing to do with their CCW, and it certainly wasn't a gun crime. So a law-abiding resident committing a gun crime with the weapon because we gave them a CCW, the number is zero. It doesn't happen. That's a, it's a non-statistical number. But that's, that's not what the, the, the progressive agenda, particularly our attorney general, wants everyone to believe. They're they're misleading people and lying to people and saying that guns are this horrible thing and people with guns commit crimes. Only criminals with guns commit crimes. Lance, what else? Yeah. No, that, that was it, Dave. I'm, I, that was exactly what I anticipated, and, and I'm glad the, the sheriff was able to confirm that, that carrying a weapon legally does not equate to using that gun illegally. Fair enough. Lance, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Back on the CCW, Sheriff, what does it say to you, the increase of people seeking concealed carry permits? It tells me that people are absolutely afraid. They're afraid to go into public. They're afraid of being robbed. They're afraid of being mugged. They're afraid of of their loved ones being hurt or injured while they're out. Uh, they're afraid of their houses being broken into, which that doesn't have anything to do with the CCW, but they're going out and buying guns because of that. But isn't that your job? I mean, you collectively you're supposed to protect us. That's absolutely true. That's a that's a great point, but let me let me just give you this perspective. For me to protect you, you have to call 911. And <laughs> And so when you're involved in an incident, you call 911. So it takes a minimum of all that information, minimum of two minutes to that to get to the deputy, and then how close are they? So we're maybe, what, three to ten minutes away? And what's going to happen in those three to ten minutes while you're being robbed or while you're being assaulted? 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Inviting your phone calls for Sheriff Chad Bianco from Riverside County in town, in town for a conference. Holding forth on the issues of the day. Here's North County Jim on KVEC. Hey, Jim. Yeah, hey, Dave. Hey, Jim. I, you know, I wanted to comment on something. I, you know, I worked for uh, Department of Corrections for more over 30 years. And uh, I've seen it swing back and forth, the pendulum going back and forth. But one, one thing I want to comment, there was a woman that was called in and said, oh, it cost, you know, $120,000 to house an inmate. Look at what we're spending right now on homeless. And I'm not, I'm not equating all those people that are homeless as convicts or uh but if you really look at the if you look at it um you know back when we got tough on crime uh back in the you know 90s uh three strikes you're out and then you know pop 47 came out 
we didn't have the homeless problem that we have now. So you got to kind of equate it uh, to some degree with uh, the crime has to do with being soft on, you know, I mean, soft on crime and changing the laws to where you don't lock these guys up. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's, to me, it's, you're going to pay, you're going to pay homeless, you're going to pay in homeless or you're going to pay locking them up. And I'd rather just pay locking them up because it's, it's final, it's done. Mm. It, it's, it, it, you know. All right, well, let's talk about that. Jim, I appreciate the call, but let's hear from the sheriff. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point, and it's very true. And the when you when you economically get down to the bottom line, where where is the cost savings? Is the cost savings, uh, it, maybe we pay a little bit more to house people in prison, but the theft of all of our retail establishments and our businesses goes down, so that means they don't have to raise the price of their goods to accommodate for all of that loss because that's what happens. We pay for it in the end anyway. And your safety, how much is our safety worth? How much? One of the things that I really love hearing from the progressive left is uh, if it could only save one life, well, how come that doesn't apply to this? We keep letting murderers out of jail early, and they murder more people. We keep letting rapists out of jail and child molesters, and they, they harm more people. Well, I'll throw it right back at him and say, if it was only, if we could only save one person. Jim, thank you. Here's Jim number two on KVEC. Hey, Jim. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Good, buddy. Thanks. Hey, Sheriff Chad. Uh, I don't know if you knew my son-in-law. He retired two years ago from Riverside County, Mike Fraker. I I know Mike very well. Small world. Yeah, well, he he and he married my oldest daughter. They just moved into their new house today in Troutman, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, we 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 keep losing a lot of people to other states. Hmm. Well, yeah, he had a he, well. He he retired early after twenty two years because uh, I guess he was doing undercover narcotics and he got he messed up his back wrestling bad guys. Anyway. But the other thing is, I want to respond to the CCW thing. I have a CCW, and uh, my wife would approve, and my, my uncle, who's not with us anymore, he was chief of police in Roseville. So I went to Royal Grandy Police Department and applied for and, uh, and, and got a CCW. did my training here in San Luis Obispo, eight hours for the first one and, and four hours to renewal. But I was just up at the range uh, yesterday, and I'm... I'm, I'm a pretty good shot. The other thing is, is that a lot of law enforcement friends of mine, one of whom is my neighbor and a deputy sheriff in uh, Slow County, a lot of the law enforcement are uh, are glad that we have had the training and have a, a concealed carry permit because you can't be everywhere. And God forbid there's a mass shooting at Walmart in Royal Grandy, and I happen to be in the back of the store, I'd have to I'd have to take action or somebody's threatening one of my loved ones. But I know the law. That's a last resort. Be a good witness. Don't get involved unless you absolutely have to. All right. Let's hear from the sheriff. Jim, thank you for the call. What do you say, sheriff? No, I, I agree 100%. And the bottom line is an armed, you know, you could, I subscribe to the philosophy that an armed society is a polite society. And of course, we just can't have every single, uh, you know, person running around with guns. But the ones that come to us and, and apply and we do a background on them and we know that they're good people. We need that. We we need to have that. There's 40,000 armed law-abiding residents in my community. If something happens in front of someone, I I fully anticipate that that they would they that they would help. And we've had five in five years. We've had five people use their CCWs that protected their life or the life of somebody else. Jackson Sanlos on KVEC. Hey Jack. 
Good afternoon, Dave. Hey, Jack. Good, good afternoon. Yeah, you know, uh, my wife was receiving cancer treatment um, on Marengo Avenue. It's uh, You know where Keck Hospital is in, in L.A., L.A. County yeah. Hospital? Yeah, what about it? Well, you know, <laughs> now it's very dangerous to go down there. And this was years ago. I used to go down there. You could walk in the evenings. And there was a hotel right there on Marengo Avenue, which was right below Keck Hospital. And... Darren, I could take a walk in the evening, and it was felt fairly safe. After Gascon, very dangerous, and follow-up uh, treatments for my wife, who had cancer. The doctor said, if you can help it, do not stay anywhere near this area, and then you come in for the treatment, don't walk out on the street because it's very dangerous. That's what the doctor told you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think this affects businesses. And also, if you needed to buy something like bandages or any kind of um, uh, drugs for your, uh, you know, after, you know, like aspirin or Advil, you couldn't find a place to buy it within a five-mile area of the, of the entire place. I was going to comment from the sheriff. Yeah, everything is getting worse, and businesses especially, everyone, we've all been into grocery stores and we've been into box stores. Everything is locked up. The the majority of population, 95% of the population are good, honest people that are sure. going into these stores to buy something. And we can't even get it off the shelves anymore because everything is behind locked gates and cages that we have to ask for. That is that is proof positive that what we have going on right now is completely out of control. The direction public safety is going is completely backwards. And we really have to get back to a, uh, to a spot where one of the callers mentioned earlier, we've got to start being tough on crime. Now, the answer is not throw everybody in prison. We, 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 are, we owe it to everyone to give them a chance, a second chance, uh, rehabilitation. Uh, everybody can make a mistake. But there are definitely, you can't take prison out of the equation because that has to be an option. All right, uh, Jack, thank you. We have no option, but to get this last break in, we'll come back and wrap things up with the sheriff. We're live, we're local, we're hometown. We are in conversation with the sheriff of Riverside County, Sheriff Chad Bianco. Remember that name. We will go to Ron in Paso on KVEC. Hey, Ron. Hey, Dave. I appreciate the show, as always. Um, a, a quick question. I'm sorry if, if someone else already asked this, but um, if I'm a resident of a given, given city like Paso Robles, do I go to the, our county sheriff to apply for a CCW or to the uh, Paso Robles police? Um, Fair question. That's a very good question, and you can go to either, and really it depends on each police chief. Some police chiefs will not issue, and they tell you to go to the sheriff. The sheriff will never tell you no. Uh, if, as long as you're a resident of that county, you can always go to them, but uh, I, you can be encouraged to go to your city first and find out if they issue. Yeah, I, I, in, in local scuttlebutt is that, that sometimes they feel like the sheriff is a little more accommodating than, say, depending on the political climate of your of your local city. So any, any comment on that? Uh, I would 100% agree with that. Uh, sheriffs are accountable to the voting population, and police chiefs are accountable to three or four politicians. Uh, they, If they make angry, they could lose their job the next day. And uh, you, the, the residents are responsible for holding us accountable. All right, Ron, thank you. Let me squeeze in Annie and Pismo. Hey, Annie. Yeah, hi. hi. Uh, your guest is giving 
anecdotes. He's giving no citations, no figures. Let me give one. This was for January 24th, 2024, in the L.A. Times. Okay. In the the latest sign of violent crime in L.A. is receding from a surge during the pandemic. LAPD officials on Wednesday released statistics showing double-digit percentage declines in both homicides and non-fatal shootings in 2023. So he's spewing out stuff he has no support for. And as far as the national crime rate, the New York Times and the DOJ responded to that recently and said the crime rate, the property crime crime rate, for example, is from the DOJ, uh, decreased 7.1%. Right. That's that's a California. So where is he coming up with these figures? He's making them up. Well, let's wow. give the sheriff a chance yeah. to respond. Well, I, I'd love to take her for a ride along in downtown L.A. And, and see if she thinks that it's safe down there because the residents beg to differ. And the here's the problem with stats. And I, I started to say this earlier in the in the show, and, and we went on to a different topic. But this was a perfect storm created by um, the far-left progressives in that with Prop 47, they're no longer crimes. So if nothing is a crime anymore, can't you see that crime is really going to go down because it's no longer a crime and factually that is what is happening and when if if your entire life is just revolved around what somebody writes down on a piece of paper and a statistic you're going to be sadly and easily misled because the reality is that it's all purposeful and you can pick and choose stats for whatever it is you want the bottom line is everyone in this country particularly in the state of california knows that crime is drastically on the rise especially violent crime and law enforcement, despite the, the, the laws against us, are doing everything we possibly can uh, to, to have as, as the least amount of victims as, as we possibly can. I wish we had more time, Annie, but we are out of time. All I can do is uh, thank the sheriff for joining us and give you 30 seconds for a final thought. Oh, thank you for having me on. I, I want everyone to start being uh, a little bit more involved in, in what we're doing and what we're, how we live and, and who we vote for and who we put in these positions. Uh, we need leaders. We need leaders of character. We don't need, uh, you know, talk about anecdotes. We don't need flashy people that promise a bunch of things. We need people of character and substance of how they're going to help us and someone that cares more about the community than they do themselves. Uh, What we need is leadership. Does Garvey make the runoff? I think he does. All right. I think you run for governor. Uh, We'll see. We we may be back here talking about that. All right, Sheriff. Thank you. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. Eric Gorham is in the house. Stick around. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.